Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. I'm David Reed, and this is Marit Larwood. Hello, film watchers and podcast listeners. Uh, hello to you all. Uh, we're back yet another week to talk about some films that have come out recently, and perhaps to reminisce on films past. Yeah, you may notice there's no police sirens in the background or cars going past because I've, I, we're recording this at my house this week, and I've just moved. Where I live in a sort of um, urban future dystopia. Uh, sort of Blade Runner-esque place. Marek appears to live in a sort of lovely uh, rural utopia. I've just found I've just found a place after... I mean, there's nothing ever exciting about moving house. It's in the most... As it gets worse each time you do it. That's why there's no films, but... No, there's a police siren. <laughs> I can't we can't it. escape it. I thought it was going to be all right here now. There's a bloody police siren in the background. <laughs> well, it turns out... <laughs> Turns out it's a shithole. The whole of London's a dystopia. <laughs> it's horrible. There's never been many films about moving houses, there. I'm sure there must be. The the house movers. Uh, no, I don't know. It's the most tedious thing I've ever done. It's taken me a week. I barely slept. I've just put things in boxes, chucked memories in the bin. <laughs> Surely there's a a funny man with far too many children has to move house film. Well, let's write one. Yeah, it would probably be Ice Cube, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be Ice Cube, and Eddie Murphy must be about that stage now, doing one of those. He doesn't tend to do the sort of family normal stuff. He does just surreal rubbish. Tim, what's his name? The one who used to win uh, Galaxy Quest. and uh, Tim Allen? Yes. What's happened to him? <laughs> he was Buzz Lightyear, so he's just spending his money. He doesn't need to do any for, for No, nothing. Things. Nothing at all. He's at the age now, he's probably in between father and granddad. Mm-hmm. Probably of that age where uh, he just picks parts for what his grandkids would love him to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, more on that later. Um, so, we've both been to the cinema this week. Can we talk about me moving house a bit? Sure. What, what, what is it, how's it been? Are you alright? I'm very traumatised. I'm glad you've managed to go to the cinema whilst having I had to, to go, cut your stuff Do you around. know why? Because I, I've moved close to the Muswell Hill Cinema, which is the cinema I always go to that always breaks down. But... Would you believe this, film listeners? A new cinema called the Art House Cinema in Crouch End opened up pretty much at the bottom of my old, near my old road as the week I've left. As a sort of, uh, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Don't the come back. Well, the only other thing I've learned about moving is the only time we actually look at half the stuff mm. is when you move house. Yeah. So six years ago, I looked through stuff I'd 
put in the boxes to move somewhere else. Just, this is as tedious as it. <laughs> just go on with the bloody films. All right. Uh, we can link it back in. Try and link it back in. It'll be a theme. No, I, I'm a bit delirious with tiredness. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Should we talk about my film or your film first? Well, did you make the film? Uh, no, no. But many have uh, many have said I look like the star of it. You do a bit, mm. and only without the exercise. Oh, can you guess what film it is, listeners? <sighs> That's right, it's the Muppets. <laughs> no, um, uh, I went to see Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Why did you go and see this? I actually a load of uh, writers, a load of writers who live in London were uh, going, as awful. they tend to go and see sort of films they think are mediocre. Um, uh, well, I won't. I, not they sound like saying s- them by name won't really help because they're writers. No one knows who they, they are. They sound really but, smug. Uh, the writers of um, one of the writers of Touching Cloth was there, and uh, the director of It's Kevin was there, who directs all of Charlie Brooker's stuff. He they was sound there. like a right bunch, smug bunch of pricks. Good, nice people. Good people. Good, honest people. So they go like to, you. They go to gloat on other people's films. No, no, just they, they're sort of nerds. So they like they like uh, slightly uh, films that really should be intellectually beneath them. Is it a sort of sex thing? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With a lot of heavy touching. Okay, holes in the bottom boxes, that sort of thing. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I want to bash your shield. So I expect you didn't really concentrate on the film. No, not at all. No, it, um, listen, I I'm sort of. I'm 50% with you in that I am an adult now and superhero films uh, are more and more becoming not for me. That's not my, it's not an adult thing. It's a CGI thing that's my problem. This one then, uh, you won't like it, but it's still a Marvel superhero film. But this one out of all of them, because each one's got a different director and writer, so they, they do have slightly different feel to them even though they're being controlled by a large branding machine. So but this is the second one. So the second first one, one they just established did the, well, the second, origins. He's bullshit. an interesting character who got nothing interesting to do in the Avengers, which was the collected one, because he he is a Second World War uh, sort of old school science super soldier so he's had serum injected into him and he's turned massive and he can run fast and uh, is very strong but is still utterly mortal he's not a god which is like what... Usain Bolt maybe yeah exactly it's a... yeah exactly I think Usain Bolt would be very good at, uh, at being Captain Captain Jamaica Captain Jamaica oh, that's a film um, and uh, Scarlett Johansson is in it as well um in a sort of uh, uh, big role in the film. She's the co-lead, I guess, as Black Widow, who, again, hasn't had her own film because she's a lady. And um, this is the film they really, really needed to flesh out her character. The writers have bothered actually exploring the two characters. as It's got all of those action sequences you expect from a superhero uh, film, but this one actually explores the characters, and it feels more like they've copied 1970s spy thrillers rather than a superhero film. Well, yeah, when's it... Can you tell us a bit what it's based on? It's what based now, sorry. In the story. Uh, Captain America in the first film is a Second World War guy and at the end of the film, he and he's fighting during the Second World War, he's the first American superhero, is the idea, and he gets frozen and then um, <laughs> gets really cold and he is unfrozen in modern day uh, America in the Avengers film. 
So a bit like when I moved house, yes. I had to um, defrost the freezer. Yes, that's exactly and I put like the that. stuff in the box. I had to get it over here quickly. And that, put it um, back, but I put it back in the that frozen there. mint that was frozen in 1945. Fish, fing- fish fingers, fish fingers, yeah. Suddenly had great difficulty adjusting to modern. Uh, yeah, kitchen. the chips are different. The chips are completely different. Completely different. Um, so they had a bit of sort of crocodile Dundeeing in the in the uh, the Avengers movie. Not very well done, but this one does it a lot better. And what the, does that mean, Crocodile Dundee? As in uh, culture clash comedy oh. of him going, it's it's for your Danny, right? Or whatever it is he says. That's a really good way of doing it, Crocodile Dundee. Yeah, it's Crocodile Dundee. Everyone well, there must does be a, what's the What's the proper English word for it? That... It's culture clash, I think. But Crocodile, crocodile Dundee is really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, one of the later sequels to Beastmaster, where they really jump the shark, he find, he, which is set entirely in a fantasy realm, he finds a, uh, t- a portal into modern-day New York, and they just crocodile d- 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 him, which is just pointless. <laughs> really weird. Yeah. Anyway, Captain America, what I was getting to is the reason you might prefer this one is they've tried to do as much as possible with real sets and actual um, choreography rather than all CGI. There's still a hell of a lot of CGI, but the CGI isn't the star. There's a, they've been really inventive with some of the fights and stuff, which is fun. I mean, But the only, I haven't enjoyed watching fights since a touring film. The Raid is one of the few films I thought was cool. Oh, I'm yeah, I think... I think um, I think the Far East are the only places doing decent fights these days. You know, kung Fu films. Fairly go fire. That's the one, yeah. That's what they call it. Can you there. say that? No, you really can't. Okay. <laughs> uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. It should have been made before Avengers Assemble because I thought that film... Captain America and Black Widow were left sort of dwarfed and boring because mm. everyone else on the team, apart from Jimmy Bobo, who nobody likes, um, is a god, basically. And they can't ever be hurt or do anything wrong. Like, Iron Man, the Hulk and Thor are basically gods. Mm. And these are human beings. So actually, once they're given some focus and some time on actual character development, you like them better than... Those other guys who were a bit too fantastic. What's the, what's this, isn't it, what's the main lead? Chris Wood, is it to me? Uh, Chris Evans. Chris Evans. Uh, what is he like? Chris Evans is all right, actually. Um, I, you know, he's he's fine. I've seen him in a couple of things. He plays the Human Torch in um, the Fantastic Four movie, actually. Okay, before. yeah. And he was in Sunshine. Did you ever see that? The um, Danny Boyle sci-fi? A long time ago. With uh, Killian Murphy. Yeah, long time ago. And Mark Something... Strong naked and burnt. Yeah, he was a bad guy. With he Mark... was. Yeah, I did see that. It was. I like that film. And what's Scarlett Johansson like? Uh, she now that I've seen Under the Skin, I'm sort of uh, back in love with her again. Did when you? I yeah. sort of couldn't stand her and everything. She's oh, really? playing it down. She's just playing what she does well, which is not really emoting. It's all very subtle, and the directors let her do it, and she's likable again. So. And who's, who's the bad guy? I'm, I'm, I'm largely positive, I'd say, for this. Uh, Robert Redford is uh, the bad really? guy. Yeah. Robert Redford. So that's why it's rather like a spy film, because that feels more up Robert Redford's he, he doesn't really do much either, does he, with his face? Uh, again, he said, uh, going back to what we were saying earlier, he took this 
the role in it because his grandkids love the Marvel films and he wanted to be in something they like. Yeah, nothing to do with £10 million. Nothing to do with that whatsoever. I mean, that wouldn't make... I w- wouldn't base any decisions on being paid £10 million to do something. I think everything he does, he's paid £10 million, doesn't he? Is he on £10 million? It must be two or three He's probably pounds. less than that these days. He's not a leading man anymore. He it's was uncanny the- how many of his mannerisms Brad Pitt has stolen. Really? Every time I see Robert Redford, I go... Bloody hell. I wonder what Brad Pitt's really like, because his acting is just doing a Robert Redford impersonation. Right, maybe I'm just an impersonation of someone. Who do you think it would be? Ed Tudor Pole. Ed Tudor Pole. <laughs> the little known second host of the Crystal Maze. That's right. For maybe two series, and then what's happened to him? Is he? Well, he was in a band called Ten Pole Tudor before that. And He's Tom Bell, isn't he? Well, the reason... <laughs> yes. <laughs> The reason um, I think he took over from Richard O'Brien and Crystal Maze is because he took over from Richard O'Brien in the Rocky Horror Show on tour. Oh, okay. There you go. Fact fans. That takeover is very similar, this is for British-based people, to David Dickinson being taken over by Tim Wanacott for the Antiques Show thing, which Antiques he's now... Show thing. Which David Dickinson's probably upset about. All our listeners abroad... Uh, I've turned probably, off now. <laughs> they we're gradually losing them. <laughs> oh, well, stop listening. Yeah. Um, so... Who is this film for? Just for people who like... It is it? not for young kids, this one. It's it, 18, just because it's slower. 12. Uh, I'm not sure what certificate it is. I think it's probably a 12. Um, but it is a bit slightly more involved. It's still ridiculous because it, it's, you know, it's nowhere near reality because it's a superhero film. But it's more along the lines of Empire Strikes Back than Return of the Jedi. Here's a question for you. Yeah. Um... Was it different going to watch a film with all, the, with all these writers and your peers? Did it change your perception of the film? Maybe it made me enjoy it a bit more, just because I think we are, we're exactly the sort of people it was for. We, you know, we did laugh at the jokes and really enjoy when they were particularly creative with the fighting, you know, when somebody gets boshed in the face unexpectedly or whatever. It's great. And um, it's really long, though, as well, is it? It's two hours, 16 minutes. Unnecessary for an action film. It did feel a bit long. All action films should not be longer than 90 minutes. Nicholas Fiore's in it, Samuel L. Jackson. And he is the biggest casualty of this franchise in that he has never had a film to develop his character. He's always just been capped in exposition. And as a result, he is thoroughly boring. He's become... He's done the, the Robert De Niro thing a bit, hasn't he? I watched Pulp Fiction... A couple of weeks ago, and I forgot how great Samuel Jackson was. It's phenomenal, but he's slowly just turned into this sort of dialing in. Well, parody of himself, really. Yeah. Uh, do you remember coming to America? Yes. Because a homeless person that was me. He is a robber who robs McDowell's, and Eddie Murphy uh, beats him up with a mop. Blimey! There you go. So, if you are, are going to get into a fight with Samuel Jackson, a mop. Yes. Bring a mop. <laughs> Um, when you absolutely positively got to knock over every Samuel L. Jackson in the room except no substitute. That's a quote from To a mop. That's from uh, Jackie Brown. My, I'm on fire today <laughs> with my incredibly niche references. Gradually. I'd like to know. I'd be interested to see how many people turn off during this podcast. It's while I'm speaking. Yeah. I don't think we get that statistic. If they've started listening, we get that as a hit. Crazy. We should we should set up a statistic of how many people are still listening at the end. Approximately, if you'd be wanting to know, it's around 1,600, 1,700 downloads for each episode. 
Well, we've gone to the dizzying heights of 2,500 sometimes. But that was back in the day when we we were a lot more interesting. Far more interesting. Um, how many Davies do you give it then? You know, I'd probably give it about six. Okay. It's still got all of the massive plot holes and story problems that all of these superhero films have, but this one has got the closest... Because I've seen all of them, all of, all of the Marvel films. This has got the closest to actually... Caring about its characters, therefore, you care about the action sequences more. Do you think? Is it? I th- I'm, I think it's really dangerous how these Marvel films are taking over mm. the whole of the. Well, I think what's more dangerous is that the more money they make, the more everyone's going to try and compete, and soon we won't just have all of the Marvel films coming out. We'll have all of the DC ones, and yeah. then every other intellectual property going. The Spider-Man ones are a different, are owned by Sony at the moment, and. Um, the X-Men ones, again, they're franchising out. They're not under the Marvel umbrella currently. They're, I think it's Fox or someone's got them. So we're just saturated with this stuff. And, and as I say, when people are at the level of gods, they're less interesting as characters. You've got it, they've got to be able to be hurt. If they can just keep taking it, there's nothing interesting about that. At least Captain America can be harmed by bullets and knives. Yeah. I hope I don't come across like a god. No, in no way, Marek. You should never worry about that. Okay. <laughs> well, I went to see, uh, see the trades in the cinema recently. Oh yeah, I counted four films in a row which were purely CGI or superhero with loads of, where where the trailer yeah was mo- like Spider Man yeah um, some uh, they're doing another Tarzan sort of cartoon oh, CGI God, thing. yeah yeah Hercules yeah, have was, you seen that with the Rock with hair. I, I I try and miss the I try and miss the trailers. The trailers before Captain America the. Th- Three trailers in a row started with um, somebody giving a lecture in a lecture theatre. Three trailers in a row, just so, doing exposition to everybody. Are you trying to say that if you go to a lecture, yeah. it's good chances are you're actually in a Hollywood film? And, you know, within two hours, you might have had a car chase or, you know, died. That's going to put people off going to university, isn't it? Yeah. The, what the first film was one where Johnny Depp turns into the internet. That was scary. That's what happens if you put too many fingers up your bum. Okay. <laughs> have we had letters, Mary? Yes, we have. Well, while you're getting those up, if anyone would like to uh, write to us, then you can do so. Um, dearfilmfandango at gmail.com is the place to email us at. Or you can go to Facebook, go to forward slash filmfandango and write on our wall. Um, or you can uh, tweet us at Film Fandango, or individually at Marek Larwood or at Mr. David Reed. I never look at the um, uh, tweets, I always forget. Mm. Well, really people don't really at, tweet us. At, let's look at one now. I'm just going to put it in. We're not very active on Twitter, you know, under the Film Fandango account. But, you know, not to say we wouldn't be if you... If, um, oh, well, there's a lawnmower or something outside. So instead of police, I've got lawnmowers. We do read them. We do um, read our, our our tweets. So that's something that's something to um, be thankful for. It is. Um, would you care to read this letter? You might need to sort of. It's very long. Yeah. Oh, the disc was not ejected properly. That's that's uh, something else that's gone wrong with my. I mean, this is the sort of thing you want to. You don't. You don't hear this stuff. You don't hear this on um, Commode and Mayo. I mean, these are the rough edges you're really not paying any money for. What disc? <laughs> Who knows? 
Who knows? Okay, there we go. The entire plot of um, Captain America revolves around um, a flash drive. So they, it was. If themed. we were in a lecture theatre right now, yes. <laughs> what the hell is this, and why is it so long, and what accent do I do it in? It's um, from someone. Oh, if you want to donate, do you do the donation bit? No, I'll do that at the end. Oh, I can, I'm going to do it now. Oh, if you want to donate to running the podcast, like the person who wrote this next letter kindly did, yeah. um, you can j- donate. Sydney, Australia. Uh, 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 that's a rock. You can go to filmfandango.co.uk and all your donations go towards the cost of putting this on Libsyn, which is the provider. Uh, well, at the moment, we actually lose money. <laughs> so any... But- for all Any those people who have donated, thank you very much. It's very, very kind, and we think you're nice people, even though in, in reality you, you might not be. Anyway, do you want to read and it? For all those people who haven't donated, we, we get people's names when they donate, so we know who you are. Um, can you... Can you... Do you get it read in? Yeah. Do you... Right, from uh, Sydney, Australia. I want to close the window just to get rid of the lawnmower. Okay. You read the letter. Okay. Dear Merrick, David and Buddy... See four, fourth paragraph for question. Prior three provide thoughtful worded context. Oh, great. Strap yourselves in, guys. There's about eight paragraphs. While on holiday in Thailand, the recent-ish film Lone Ranger was playing during a cross-country bus trip. I'd already given the film a courtesy try while on a previous plane trip, as Johnny Depp is someone who gives a courtesy viewing for I... Someone... Uh-oh. This sentence doesn't make sense. Anyway... It, probably you, you give a courtesy view to Johnny Depp is the general gist that was misplaced courtesy as the film looked and smelled like expensive rubbish being on a plane I could easily switch over to something less painful like that fat, Fast Cars movie directed by Ron Howard very acceptable plane movie Rush thanks his deafness aside the Thai bus ride experience of the film of the Lone Ranger was an improvement as the entire film would be dubbed into Thai this assisted me in my learning the Thai language and appreciating the expertise of translators whose succinct style gave the dialogue a refreshing sharpness and clarity. Despite this, it was almost a relief when the Thai Lone Ranger came to an end to be replaced by a confusing high camp racist squealing sketch comedy. Was that you? Are you in Thai? I don't know if you my sort of stuff on the plane. Yeah. The ties of specific genres of entertainment for bus trips, sketch comedy of adults dressed in alarming bright colours, or maudling romantic music video ballads. Great. My question is, which films would be improved by having their dialogue dubbed into a foreign language? Right, okay. Well, I can stop there, that's halfway through the email. Yeah, let's do that email. one. Then. You can carry in if you want. Yeah? Remember the question. Which films would be improved by being dubbed in a foreign language? Correct. A similar instance to the above scenario was watching Woody Allen's recent film, To Roam With Love in Rome. That's not a film. Is that what it's called? To Roam With Love in Rome. Are you talking... Is it letter... To Roam With Love in Rome. He saw it... Hang on a minute. He saw it in Rome. You can't read the letter and carry on in the voice letter. Sorry. It's very confusing, isn't it? Okay. Sorry. Who is this? Uh, Miri, who I presume is a lady. What, now? She's writing all this? She's writing all this. Right, I'll carry on. Apart from Alec Baldwin, the movie seemed painful, yet it was enjoyable because it was spoken entirely in Italian, dubbed. Despite my fascination with Woody Allen's unique oeuvre, it was a relief to not have to hear his voice for once. We were treated instead to a slightly goofy, surprise-sounding Italiano gent. 
Please note, the Italians have excellent cheap outdoor cinema in local parks during summer. It's worth sitting through an average film just so one can enjoy the atmosphere for Italian parkside chic on a sultry evening, gelato and pizza at the ready. My second question, Merrick, remember this one, has now emerged from this pleasant memory of cool Roman alfresco cinemas. When does the surroundings of the cinema viewing space improve the content of the film? Note, there is plenty of outdoor cinema in Sydney, but it all seems way overpriced. I've not been since Microcosmos screened outdoors in the late 90s or early noughties. Made one glad there was a picnic rug between you and the bugs. Great film, though. A final note. There is an excellent Portlandia sketch where a neurotic couple bring almost the entire contents of their home to an outdoor cinema so they can set up cooking facilities and comfy seating, which blocks everyone's view. And there's a link to a YouTube there. Happy filming and fandanging. Thanks for your enjoyable podcasting through which I vicariously enjoy films I've not made time to see. Mary, Sydney, Australia. Um, that's a, thank you, Mary. Thank you for taking time to talk to us. Two questions there. Um, which film would be improved by having their dialogue dubbed into a foreign language? Uh, none. Really? I've never enjoyed dub. I far prefer subtitles. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm trying to think of someone if it's someone's voice I really hate that's the only way that would be acceptable Gilbert Gottfried uh, who, uh, who do I think he plays Iago the parrot in Aladdin which I've seen in uh, French I think Dracula the Francis Ford Coppola Dracula <laughs> dubbed would be better because Keanu Reeves' performance is so bad a foreign language uh, dub of it if it was dubbed into something else it what, would, what language would you dub it into sort uh, of Eastern European yes. how would you say I am Van Helsing in, I would um, dub it into Eastern European and put it all in the subtitles and I think it would be a more interesting film interesting I, I'm sure Europeans will disagree because they are so used to seeing things dubbed but mm. um, I, I can't get used to it I'd much rather be reading it and and you pay attention to it more as well yeah when the soundtrack's disconnected from the film, I think you, you sort of do drift off a bit. Personally speaking. Um, when do the surroundings of the cinema viewing space improve the content of the film? Uh, I haven't... I don't think I've seen anything outdoor. When, when I, I saw... Um, I grab that? Yeah. I saw uh, Monty Python the Holy Grail in the courtyard of um, Dune Castle where they filmed it. Oh, that's, that's my sim to that game. It was it good? It was great. It was really nice being there. But it was surrounded by people who'd come there especially for that. And that's probably what is more important. And yeah. just like the sheer love in the in the space for it. That it just makes it sort of joyful. I saw um, Notting Hill in the Notting Hill Coronet. I think I said this before. Yeah. And there's a scene where um, Hugh Grant's in the cinema watching it through Fishgold's contact lenses have broken. Yes. And I was sitting pretty much in the same place as he was. That's creepy. So you see, I mentioned this in, uh, probably in episode 64 or something, you see the app, you can see the surround of the screen because it's quite distinct sort of curtains. Yeah. And you see the curtains in the film as well. <laughs> Very odd. And, and um, I don't know if I was pleased or displeased, but it made the world seem a hell of a lot smaller. <laughs> Uh, well, there you go. Well, thanks, Mary. Thank you for your um, myriad of questions. Excellent how about, work. How about that? That's excellent. Thanks, Mary.
Um, when I was moving, so um, I I just watched a, a, a film online this week. Which oh is, yeah, it's one of the Oscar winners. So I finally almost caught up with all the Oscar, uh, uh, not Oscar winners, Oscar nominees for best yes. film. You haven't seen Nebraska yet, have you? That's the only one now. Yeah. So it does take quite a while now because it's about seven films. Loads isn't it? of films, and they're all long. So what did you see? I saw Philomena. Shall I tell you about it? Please do. What it is, it's uh, based on a true story uh, written by Martin Sixsmith, who is a British political journalist who uh, got embroiled in some controversy about leaking bad news and had his name sullied and then was a bit unhappy. And so he decides to... Uh, looking, He's going to write a book and trying to find a new career and he's feeling a bit depressed. And someone approaches him, the uh, daughter of this woman... Uh, with a story saying she's trying to track down her son in America who she put up for adoption and he initially doesn't want to do it because it's a human interest story and he's not really interested in that um, but he, he ends up uh, accompanying this woman whose name is Philomena yes. to America to try and locate um, her her son who was she was in a convent and who was for, you know she wasn't the nuns basically sold her well it was it was a scandal wasn't it there was Fairly commonplace in Ireland for yes. the daughters to be taken from girls who were deemed not fit to be mothered or unmarried. Well, they, well she stayed in a convent. I won't give her too much away. And they, they, and she tried to track. It's trying to track down uh, an adopted son. And Steve Coogan plays. Steve Coogan um, plays Martin, Martin Smith. Smith and Judy Dench plays Philomena. Dame Judy. Dame Judy. I'm sorry. Um, if you're listening, uh, Judy Dench, Dame, Dame Judy Dench. Dame Judy Dench. I've, I've walked down Dame Judy Dench Walk. Where's that? In York, where I'm from, because she's from York as well. They've named the path down by the ooze that you can walk along. Dame yeah. Judy Dench Walk. I would call it Den- Dench's Passage. <laughs> you would, wouldn't you? What would you call it? Dame Judy Dench Walk. It's what it's called. But no one's going to say Dame... Would you, where do you live? I live on Dame Judy Dench Walk. I live on... Dench Walk. Dench Walk's better. Or Dench... Dench Lane. On the Dench Path. The Dench Path, indeed. <laughs> oh, don't go down the Dench Path, not I at night. I thought kid sniffing glue down the Dench Path. Oh. Dame Judy wouldn't be pleased. She would That is a nice sentence, because you've used... You've given all the information. Anyway, we're not talking about <laughs> Dame Judy Dench Walk. So how was the film? How did you find it? I found it very enjoyable. It is directed uh, by Stephen Frears. It is oh great, long not like the other. It's not. Uh, it's very normal cinematography. It's almost just like a Sunday afternoon film. It's a good story. Shot pretty normally. No sort of flashy cinematography, and it's it's a character piece with two brilliant on-screen performers who are great to watch and oddly have a great chemistry. That's good. That's a, that's the thing. That's what makes. It, that's why I got Oscar nominated because it wasn't. It didn't really have any buzz. Well, Coogan's been criticised in the past, I think, for being a fantastic monologuer, but not great. Doesn't work well with others, you know. Well, on-screen chemistry with other people has been sort of lacking. But that's very good news. I for think him. maybe that's Judy Dench helps that. But I think with Steve Coogan, if you're, I'm a huge Alan Partridge fan. Me too. I think he's as I said before the greatest character of our generation um, he is part he is so much like he is Alan Parch basically 10% yeah. so you're getting <laughs> in my mind watching it it was watching a 20% Alan Partridge <laughs> film 
because yeah. he's really funny. Yeah, yeah. And he brings this side. So it's a serious. He's playing Martin Six, a serious character, but it's like twenty percent partridge. So just serious, slightly more serious, and all the jokes and his way of humour, just partridgeisms, but sort of toned down. And I fit in with Julie Dench, and I can watch him all day long. So he's just. He's very funny, a brilliant performer, and he's and I don't mind that um, that it's a bit Steve Cook, it's Alan Partridge because it makes it more no. enjoyable for me. I mean, the reason he's such a good character is he's put so much of himself in, into it and been willing to parody his own flaws and yeah. It's really, I think a lot of the now now are times now are times. Yeah. Um, you're watching action film, or you're watching some sort of art house film. Or some rom com. I mean, this is sort of a st- it's just a st- good old fashioned story film. Mm. Films, films, this style of films isn't trendy. It's not big mon- generally a big money spinner. It's been lost. It feels mm. like a sort of film from the sort of the eighties or nineties. You know what I mean? No, I can't yeah, really explain yeah. it properly. Where well, it's his character piece, like um, uh, what's it called? Educating Rita or yes, something. Like that. You've got two. Great actors for different reasons. It's really interesting to watch. The story is a captivating story and fascinating. Yeah. And I think in different because you've got the Steve Coogan comedy, he brings something completely different to it. Judy Dench is, uh, uh, you know, a totally safe pair of hands who's interesting. You're bringing two great actors who actually lift the film up. Yeah, above the director doesn't need to do that. You don't need to do flashes of cinematography. You don't need to do huge tracking shots. You don't need to do all this. Well, it'd be inappropriate for the subject matter. Yeah, really. it's just told. It's just two people going through a sort of fairly sort of wide gamut of um, emotions. It's interesting and enjoyable, and it feels quite refreshing in its normality. So, where would you put it in the ranking of the Oscar nominees for you? It's not. Uh, Probably, you can see it's not as accomplished as certain f- films uh, like Captain Phillips, or it's not it's not cin- it's not cinematic. Yeah, and that's why it's uh, you think it's almost like a TV film. Mm. So you could say if it was a TV program, this would have won. Nebraska isn't very cinematic. If it it would be far less cinematic if it wasn't in black and white. There's something just sort of stylistically bold about doing that these days but if it was in colour it would look very you know just covering the action really you could say, you could say say Mr Banks and this are quite similar films just oh, quite really? biographical well, no, in terms of their style mm. and they're both biographical and they're both maybe aimed at the older generation a slower sort of more interesting stories but is Saving Mr. Mr Banks a bit of a propaganda piece for Disney though mm, because it isn't what actually happened I think well, I give a, you've got a certain poetic license, sure. But that is a lot more cinematic than this. Is. Okay, this is shot quite normally, but it's. I would really recommend it. Sorry, my, uh, I really recommend it. Go and see this, or just watch it on. You could don't have to go to cinema. Just watch well, it. From what you've described, it doesn't sound like you do. Like it no, sounds it like on. it could be a uh, you know a rather good TV movie. Yeah, wait till it comes out on TV or Netflix or iTunes or a provider. Oh, I name them all because no one wants to sponsor us. Uh, <laughs> Amazon Prime. I really enjoyed it. I don't know what the books. I'm interested to see uh, or to hear from anyone who's read the book to see if it is uh, how accurate a portrayal of the book it is. Mm. Mm, that would be interesting. Um, but I love Steve Coogan. He's great, isn't he? I heard a rumor that um, second Partridge film is potentially must be. be made. 
It was great, wasn't it? I think he's brilliant. He's great. I'm so glad he keeps collaborating with Michael Winterbottom because mm. the two just get each other brilliantly. I just think he's uh, just uh, everything he does. I always always enjoy his performances. Mm. Well done, Steve Coogan. Well you, done, you. You really are a talented man. Yes. And um, talking of talented men, I think we should maybe. I don't know how many how Marricks I should give it. Oh yeah, how many Marricks? Eight. So it's beaten Captain America in the Marricks versus David score. Yes. Uh, well, there you go. Those are your recommendations for this week. Um, we will be back next week with yet more films. Um, if you'd like to get in touch, that address again is dearfilmfandango at gmail.com. Uh, yes, uh, from Marek and from me, keep watching the, the film, films. films. Bye. Bye. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.